Welcome to Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, hello this morning. So we are continuing our study on Colossians, and today we're in chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And we're going to start by looking at the whole passage together. So if you want to follow along, take out your Bibles, your devices, or you can follow along on the screen as we start by reading this whole passage. The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on he- in heaven or on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So do we know what all that means? I mean, it's about Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, the answer's always, it's about Jesus. That's the easy answer. It, we kind of get it, but We're going to dig deeper into this passage so that we can learn what Paul was trying to tell us and what God wants us to learn from studying this today. Now, the anchor verse in this passage is verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That is the point that Paul is wanting to make here. This is what Paul wants us to understand in this whole passage, the supremacy of Jesus. In fact, your Bible might even have this as the header over this whole passage, the supremacy of the Son of God. Now, as we've been learning, part of the reason Paul wrote this letter to the people of Colossae was to dispute some of those that were teaching false views. And specifically here, Paul wants, us to, wants to set the record straight as to who Jesus really was because of those erroneous ideas that were being taught. So that's what we're going to learn today, going beyond our vision of who we think Jesus is. And Paul is giving us a greater vision of the greatness of Jesus Because for many of us, we may not even realize that our view of Jesus is actually a little bit limited. Now, now all of us have heard of Jesus, and we all have an idea of what his life and his ministry were all about. When you say Jesus to somebody, I mean, they at least know he was somebody important in the Bible, 
but many people do not understand the fullness of Jesus. Even those who regularly attend church, even those who've read the Bible, not everyone has that complete view of who Jesus really was. And sometimes we think of Jesus in ways that is not really the way he was intended to be thought of. Sometimes we can think of him as being like a genie, someone we give our requests to or our wishes and expect something back in return. We treat him like he's a fairy godmother. Now, now partially that's okay. Jesus does tell us to bring him our requests, our needs for strength, for healing, for comfort. He even says to bring things we need physically, like a, like a house or a job or even a parking space. Jesus repeatedly tells us to bring requests to him. So like in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus clearly wants us to come to him in prayer to ask for things. But if that is the only time you're talking to Jesus, if that's the only thing you think of when you think of Jesus, your view might be a little limited. Now, some of us think of Jesus as a great business leader, like the CEO of our life. We study his way of handling things as a leadership lesson. And that's okay too. Jesus was a great leader that we can learn leadership lessons from. Many secular books have even been written using Jesus as a guide for leadership. There's this website, Inc.com, and it's, for, it's a secular website for owners and managers of growing businesses. They actually published a guide for leadership lessons from Jesus. Number one, they said, great leaders lead from the inside out because without integrity, no one will follow you or, or at least should follow you. And great, great leaders are great storytellers. Jesus' stories have certainly withstood the test of time, they said in this article. Stories are richer and more powerful and longer lasting than directives or instructions. That's true. Great leaders are great servants. Great leaders today should see themselves as serving their teams, equipping, encouraging, coaching them to realize their potential. And they go on to say, because that will help you and your company thrive. Great leaders balance conviction with compassion. Jesus held strong convictions and values while showing tremendous compassion to those that did not share those same values and convictions, they said. And likewise, today's leaders need to be clear about their vision while being sensitive to the person behind the employee. All this came from a secular leadership guide. So yes, Jesus was a great leader that we can learn leadership lessons from. But if that is the only way you think of Jesus as your, your boss or the CEO, executive of your life, 
then your view might be a little limited. Now, some of us think of Jesus as a Mr. Rogers, you know, a kind grandfather. That's okay. But some of us can get extreme in our view of Jesus when we think of him as an American or a politician because Jesus certainly would vote for this candidate or that issue. Now, that is actually a very limited and erroneous view of who Jesus is. So there's been this trend on social media, tell us you're a blank without actually saying you're a blank. So for example, tell us you're a southerner without actually saying you're a southerner. Oh, bless your heart. Or tell us you're a Bengals fan without actually saying you're a Bengals fan. Who day, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us you're the parent of a toddler without actually saying you're the parent of a toddler. Will you bring me a C-O-O-K-I-E? Yeah, so you're getting the hang of it, right? So tell us you're a follower of Jesus without actually saying you're a follower of Jesus. Now for some of us, if we were to do this exercise, we might find out that our view might be a little limited. If we were to say, I go to church every week. So show me the verse that says you're automatically a follower of Jesus if you attend a church every week. Or you hold up a book and say, I own a Bible as you brush the dust off of it. Yeah, having a Bible on your coffee table doesn't necessarily mean you're a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus because I love like Jesus loves as you sow hatred to a particular ethnic group. Or, or you despise someone who's challenged with their sexual identity. Yeah. So what exactly does it mean to be a real and true follower of Jesus? Well, he told us. He told us himself in Luke chapter nine. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So that means to really follow Jesus, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Now, many of us have heard of that verse, but do we really understand what it means to take up our cross? I mean, we know Jesus was crucified on a cross, but do we all understand what it means to take up our cross? Now, to the audience that was present when Jesus spoke these words, they knew exactly what Jesus meant. Before someone was to die by crucifixion, they had to first carry that cross to the place they were going to be executed. Jesus wasn't the only one that was required to do that. Anyone who was to be crucified had to carry their cross. Criminals, political prisoners, slaves, they all had to carry that cross to the place they were going to die. At that point, their self was going to die. So to really follow Jesus, we must give up our self so that we can agree with this verse that Paul gave us in Galatians, 
I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, to want to give up our own life for Jesus, we we really must understand who Jesus is. We're not gonna just do that for anybody. And to even begin to understand who Jesus really was, we need that complete vision of him. And that is simply this. Jesus is God. As plain and simple He's not an angel. He's not a sibling of God. He's not even a supernatural being, but he is God. When we see Jesus as God, our view of Jesus can be more fully expanded. When we understand that Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace, the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. This is how we can begin to understand that full vision of Jesus and truly understand the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is not a little bit of God or an aspect of God or like God, but Jesus is God. Do we have that complete and true vision of Jesus? Or do we need more vision to see him as God? Now, C.S. Lewis famously said in his book, Mere Christianity, that Jesus must be a liar, a lunatic, or legit. That we must choose how we see Jesus. He said a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. Now, most of us would not say that Jesus was a liar or a lunatic, but do we have that complete vision that says he was legit? Everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did fully represented the supremacy of God that he was. His compassion, his love, his attitude, his grace, his mercy, his sacrifice on the cross, his sacrifice on the cross for me, his sacrifice on the cross for you, for the person sitting next to you, for your neighbor, for the homeless person living in the woods, for the political prisoner, for the Democrat, for the Republican, for the rude clerk, for the person tailgating you, for the addict, for the mentally ill, for the prostitute, for the death row inmate, Jesus sacrificed himself for every single 
one of us. Do we have that vision of Jesus? Do we know that he is supreme in our life? Once we have that supremacy of Jesus and we have that knowledge of him, we need to look at what that means for us. How do we apply this to our lives? How does having that complete vision of Jesus change us? Or the more important question is how should it change us, right? Because knowing Jesus this way and knowing he came to earth to look us face to face and eye to eye, knowing he is the center of it all, is he the center of your life? Do you live every day for him? And Paul, Paul says in verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So practically speaking, what, what exactly does that mean? to put Jesus at the center of our lives? I mean, we say yes, we, we, we believe in Jesus, yes, we love Jesus, but what does it mean that he is the center of your life? It means that in all things you do, all things you say, in all of your actions, Jesus is your guide. Your entire life revolves around him. Can you imagine if that was completely true for everyone that calls themselves Christian? Can you imagine the impact that would have on this world if Jesus was at the center of all of our lives? That's a great thing to picture, isn't it? So what would need to change in your life to put Jesus at the center? For a lot of people, the number one thing that would need to change is time. If we had more time, we could read the Bible more. If we had more time, we could join a small group. We could serve. We could pray more. If we just had more time, right? We're busy creatures from work to kids to taking care of the house. There's just not enough time for normal life, much less putting all our efforts into building a relationship with Jesus. I mean, if we did, then our other relationships would suffer. I mean, we barely have enough time for our own family, much less our extended family. We don't have enough time for our friends our vacations are short. Time is definitely a premium. But when you give your time to Jesus first, when his time is above all other relationships, before anything else, when Jesus becomes Lord of our schedule, then our day is guided by him. 
on those days when I don't have enough time to, to read the word or pray enough, I feel that gap. And other people around me see a difference. They, they may not know exactly what's going on, but they feel that difference. And Paul reminded us in Ephesians what we should be doing with our time when he said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. <laughs> the days are evil without time with Jesus. Nothing is going to suffer. Nothing is going to be lost. Nothing bad is going to come by spending time with Jesus. Now we cannot create more time. There is and always will be 24 hours in a single day, no matter what we do. There's a finite amount of time available, but it's about the redistribution of the time we do have. It's about putting our time where it can have the most impact. And giving time to Jesus will have the most impact. Now, the second thing that would need to change if we were to make Jesus supreme in our lives, that's control. For Jesus to be supreme to you, it means giving up control to him. And oh, for some of us, that's a tough one. Who here's a control freak like me? Yeah, just ask the people I work with or my kids if I am a control freak. Yeah, I want control over everything but I'm not the one that should have that control. Jesus is the one that should always have control over our lives. And, and what that means when we give Jesus control over our lives, it means every decision we make, we pray first. Giving control to Jesus means we don't seek revenge when somebody does us wrong or even our family wrong. We leave that to him. Giving control to Jesus means we never lose hope because we know something better is coming, whether that's this world or the next. Are you ready to give Jesus total control over your life? It sounds easy. But is it? So the last thing that is needed for Jesus to be supreme in our lives, that's motivation. <laughs> that means that Jesus is your motivation for all that you do. You're not motivated by money. You're not motivated by family. You're not motivated by a job by the way we look, by having a, a perfect body, by retirement, by what your neighbors have, by what the media says you need. Everything you're motivated by first and last is Jesus. When things are bad, you're motivated by knowing Jesus is gonna bring something better. And when things are good, you're motivated by giving him thanks 
first over yourself. Now, the word motive is defined as a person's needs, desires, or wants. And for the Christian, all that should be Jesus. All your needs, all your desires, and all your wants should be Jesus. Jesus is who we worship, he is who we honor, and he is who we glorify. He is our motivation for every single thing that we do. This is the greater vision we need to have. This is the more vision we will have when we see Jesus as supreme. When we see Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, we are the creation. Jesus is the visible likeness of the invisible God. When we understand that, when we understand all that, then we'll understand our big idea for today. When you see Jesus as God, you will have a greater vision of the greatness of Jesus. What do you need to change to have that more vision? Is it, is it how you spend your time? Is it giving up control? Is it making Jesus the motivation for everything that you do? Whatever, whatever it is for you, when you get there, when you have that greater vision, others around you, they'll know it. They'll see it in you. They'll see that change in your life. They will see that vision. They will see Jesus in you. And the best part is they'll want that too. They'll want to see, they'll want Jesus in their own life. They will want that feeling of assurance, that peace, that pure joy that comes from knowing Jesus is supreme. Amen? Let's pray. Father, each of us, we have a vision who Jesus is. We have a knowledge of Jesus. We've read about him. We know his name. But starting today, Father, may we expand and grow that vision. May we begin to fully understand that supremacy of Jesus. And let that knowledge help us to grow in our relationship with him. That Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, before all things. Jesus wasn't created by you, but he is you. May we go beyond knowing that Jesus was a prophet, a teacher, a healer, and may we call Jesus our God, our savior, that he is I am. Lord, 
Lord, search our hearts and reveal to us what needs to change for us to fully recognize that supremacy of Jesus. And may every one of us, starting today, live with Jesus at the center of our life every single day, the good days, the bad days, and every day in between. There is no parallel, there is no comparison. There is only Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.